This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Her way back to Calgary, she was in, she's in Ontario right now in Ottawa, preaching at a conference there, and they had torrential winds and hurricane sort of weather, and so all the power is out in Ottawa, and uh, she's delayed on her flight today. Now, we, we were planning for me to preach this morning, so I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Pray for her. <laughs> wow, maybe, maybe the Lord's trying to say something. I don't know what he's saying, but maybe she needs a break today. So here I am today, and I'm glad to be uh, sharing the Word of God with you today um, on a topic called I Doubt It. Dealing with your insecurities. Anybody in this house have insecurities? No, you're too insecure to put up your hands so I can see. We got some work to do here today. All right. Listen, we all have doubts. It's normal. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to sort of question yourself. Uh, I have occasionally doubted God. Let me backtrack. There's been a number of times I've doubted God in my life. Uh, But I think more and more, I often doubt myself. I doubt the things I can do, my abilities. Uh, Can anyone relate to this today? Why? Why do we doubt ourselves? Well, I I think the the, the reason for this is I I know myself better than anyone else. Like, I, I know what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, I know, I hear that voice inside of my head that tells me things, that says things about me that are not always kind. I know my insecurities. I know my motives. Sometimes it's like in the simple things, like I don't really like what I said, I don't really like that I did that or what I didn't do. Worst of all, I know God knows all my faults and probably knows some of the faults that I don't even know. Things I'm not even sure I'm aware of. And that makes me wonder sometimes, like, I know he loves me, but why would God choose to use someone like me? So if you've ever doubted, felt insecure, or felt inadequate in any way, This message is for you. Welcome to Journey Church today. Now, for the rest of you who are securely confident or extremely self-assured, the best of the best, top of your class, you succeed at everything you put your hands to. You have a million followers. Good news, God can still use you. It's just that God specializes in in using those who need his presence, who need his power in order to do his purpose. So today, we're going to talk about dealing with our insecurities, and because I have so many of them, I thought this would be a great topic for me to teach to you today. I think sometimes if, if God wants something done, like why doesn't he ask the best person for the job? You know what I'm talking about? I'm sure he can find someone else who is better equipped than me. And and maybe you felt like that. 
You know, maybe you would say to yourself, oh, I don't know a lot about the Bible. Uh, I, I don't feel really comfortable praying in a, in a group setting, praying out loud, or I don't really fair, feel comfortable sharing my faith. I mean, these are not things that I, you know, I love doing without it sounding preachy, or I don't feel comfortable leading a small group, perhaps, right? I don't always read my Bible every day, and these are some of the areas that I just fall short in, and so uh, those are the things that others see, right? But then there's the things that you know about you that no one else knows. The things you've done to hurt others. You've fallen short when you think after all the things that I've done, why would God choose to use me? Let me just remind you today that God knew exactly what he was doing when he chose you when he made you, when he created you. He knew exactly what he was doing. You're not an, a mistake. You're not an accident. But some of you, no matter what I would say to you, or uh, it, would, it just wouldn't matter what I say to you or, or believe about yourself. If I asked you, in, you know, uh, to look in the mirror, okay, just pretend this. You're all looking in the mirror right now, and, and you repeat this, you know, maybe pop psychology mantra, and I would say to you, okay, everybody in this room could do this right now. Just, just wrap your arms around yourself. Pretend you're looking in the mirror right now and say, you are beautiful. Go ahead. You are beautiful. You are loved. You are a great person. And I love you. Doesn't that feel so great? For some of you, like, yeah, that's spot on, man. I needed that today. Thank you, Pastor Dave. And for others, you're like, you are crazy. What has happened? Where's Pastor Jess? Like, like can we get back into the Revelation series, please? Some of you love to practice the self-love and respect for, for yourself, and others, you have a hard time saying it, let alone even believing it. I want to remind you what Paul said in the scriptures, that, that we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. Peace. He created us anew in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, that, that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So what are you? Well, you're his masterpiece. You're his workmanship, the Bible says. So you can do the things that he planned for you. Now, this word masterpiece comes from this word poema, which means a creation with a designed purpose. A workmanship, a masterpiece. This is where we get our word poetry from. So, so what are you today? If you ask yourself this question, well, you are God's poetic statement. You are beautiful. You are valuable. You're like custom-designed clothing. Come on now, right? Like, you like my custom-designed denim? You are like a gown that has been designed specifically for you, or that, that fancy suit that has been designed just for you. 
exclusively God designed for you. He gave you the rights. He gave you the right personality. He gave you the right mindset. Born at the right time in history to do the work that he created way in, in advance for you. So when you hear that voice that says, look at you. Go ahead, look at yourself. God can't use you. You're a mess. That's when you shout back and you say, I was a mess. I was a mess, but now I'm God's masterpiece. Are you hearing me this morning? Let me ask you, who does God use most often? Well, let's look at the scripture. Because if we are just talking, words are cheap. But God's word is powerful. And I want us to look at the scripture today. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 16. If not, we're going to look at it on the screen here today. But God uses the unlikely, doesn't he? God told Samuel to appoint the next king of Israel. I mean, that, that's a task in itself. How do you do that? How do you not mess that up, right? And so when they arrived, the Bible says, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I love this, that God is looking for qualities that people overlook. Samuel was looking for someone who is about 6'2", 6'4", he's got it all together, tall, dark, and handsome type. You know what I'm talking about, right? But God was looking for heart. And that's the difference. He's looking for what others overlook. So Samuel goes one by one. He's looking for the right person, looking for all of the qualified candidates. And, and God keeps saying, no, no, that's not it. That's not the one. That's not the person. Then Samuel says, hey, hey, wait, here's one more. But he's kind of a junior shepherd. I mean, he's, he doesn't fit the criteria. God's bring forward. I need to see this guy. David comes on the scene. He's the youngest. He's the, the least likely. And God says, yep, that's the one. That's the one I choose. I choose him. He calls him and he chooses him. See, God loves to use those who are overlooked by others. That sink in for a second when you question your abilities, when you question who you are, when you think about how insignificant you are. If you've ever felt overlooked, if you've ever felt like, ah, God can't use me, then you are the perfect candidate. Now, this message today is sponsored by Pastor Dave. This is my story. 
I'm not standing before you here today because I'm amazing and I'm the best candidate for the job. I'm not here because I've done everything right or have the right hairstyle, wear the right shoes, or I come from a lineage of prosperity or anything like that. I'm here today because God said, you're my masterpiece. You are my masterpiece. Perfect in my eyes. I can use you. You see, God specializes in using the unlikely to accomplish the impossible. And so for some of you today, you're sitting here, you're listening here. Today is the day that you stop believing what others say about you. Today is the day that you start believing what God says about you. Start, belie- start believing that God can use you today. So God uses the unlikely. And God uses, the second thing I want you to catch today is he uses the insecure. In the book of Judges, you know, after the Israelites had sinned back in the Old Testament, God had turned them over uh, into the hands of the Midianites. And there was this guy named Gideon. Now, you know the story, but if you don't know the story, he was this insecure individual. He was afraid and he was hiding. But then an angel appears to him and he says to him, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Like he says that to a guy who's hiding. God has chosen you to rescue the Israelites from the Midianites. Now you would think that if an angel would show up, if an angel showed up, you'd say, okay, I get the message, God. I can see what you're saying. All my insecurities are gone. God is on my side. But in fact, Gideon's insecurities shouted even louder than God's affirmation. Judges 6, 15 says this, But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Now, for some of you here today, God is going to call you and stir something up in you. He's going to actually move you and actually to do something for him. He's going to call you to perhaps serve in the church. Maybe be a witness at work. Maybe, maybe do something significant in school or even share your faith with others. But you're going to say, but God... Then you're going to tell him why you're not the best person. How do I know this? Because I've done that. And if you haven't done that already, well, well, you know, I think this is something that we struggle with. Can I be a little vulnerable with you today? Only a few of you said yeah, so I guess I'm going to be extra vulnerable right now. You see, when I was in grade 9, I remember this as vivid as I remember being in grade nine. I was really not what you would call an A student. Um, in fact, I can remember going to the school 
guidance counselor. And, and as I'm saying this, I'm like, oh my goodness. You're saying to this, this to a bunch of smart people. Incredibly gifted. I look around me and I think, wow, God has blessed you all. And I can remember the guidance counselor saying to me, really encourage, encouraging me to, to take general level courses. And because my grades weren't the best, I, I, was, I was not a failure, but he just said, well, maybe this is the best course of action for you uh, based on your past. I remember walking away from that conversation and thinking, oh, I, I'm not sure I really believe him. I'm going to do something about this. So I worked hard, but I really didn't understand what it took to become an A student. I thought that if you just sat beside someone who was an A student, that was good enough. Somehow it would rub off. I continue to do that today. That's not it, folks. It's not the way this works. Fast forward approximately 35 years later from that day, I have lived with this insecurity all throughout my academic career, during college and during university, I, I wasn't smart enough. And, and one day, I, I thought that, and I suffered from the imposter syndrome, that one day someone was going to figure out who I really was. I was just a fraud. I've come to learn from that seed that negative seed that was planted in my mind over 35 years ago, and I've let it haunt me, and at times I've let it dictate what I could or could not do. Here's what I heard all those years. You're not good enough. You're not even the brightest. Why would you choose that path? Now, as a pastor, I am exposed to and have been exposed to great men and women of God who are gifted. Man, they're talented. They're incredible role models. They're, they're better pastors than I ever could be. And I have felt insecure about my abilities. But let me remind you that whenever God calls you, the devil is going to try to stop you. Whenever you're called by God, there are going to be things in this world mainly forced into existence through the devil himself trying to remind you that you're not good enough. You see, one of the greatest tools that the enemy has is to attack your self-worth. He's going to tell you, hey, who do you think you are? Like, like, really, who do you think you are? You're not ready. You don't belong here. This is not the right place for you. You're not good enough. Think about that. If God didn't want to use you, the devil wouldn't be trying so hard to try to stop you. God wants to use you. Sometimes I think to myself, I, I can't sit in the same room next to godly men and women and feel secure. I, I, and then I remember, hey, 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 hold on. We're all messed up here. I feel better then. When I say that, I, we're all messed up people. We all have our faults. We all have our failures. And yet God called me. And because of his favor and his grace on my life, I can stand here. I can be in front of you today and, 
and deliver this message that says if God can use someone like me with all my inadequacies, with all my insecurities, He can use me, He can absolutely use you. He wants to use you. I know it. I know there are some in this room right now. You're just saying, man, how does he know this about me? That's not me. That's the Spirit of God reminding you who you are. Reminding you that you are a masterpiece. So if you don't have all the confidence in yourself today, good. Because serving God is not meant to be done alone. That's why we come to church together. That's why we share life together. You need two things. First thing you need is the power of the Holy Spirit. And the second thing you need is the the help of God's people. You've been uh, created for your talents to be used in the body of Christ, which is the church. So let me just encourage you. If you've been sitting around maybe just wondering... What can I do? Or, or there just isn't anything for me to do in this church. Think again. There's always something to do. Just ask the Lord. He'll show you. But don't sit around waiting for him to, like, knock you over the head. Listen, some of you here in this room are really great with kids. Yeah, you're just really great with kids. Maybe you love students. Maybe you love adolescence. Maybe you love tweens. Maybe you, you have, you're great with data. You love numbers. Man, you just love to understand numbers and how to make them work. Or maybe technology is your thing and you're, 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 using, you're not using your gifts in the kingdom. It's time. It's time for you to get involved. It's time for you to say, yep, it's time for me to, to give of myself you're not serving. If you're not serving, there's something in the church that's not being done right now. I want you to know, like serving the Lord is fun. It's exciting to be part of the team with the people of God that you love. It's time. And so Gideon, back to our story here, Gideon said this, I'm the least. I'm no good. I can't do it. And here's what happens next. God is about to show Gideon that he'll use the least to do the most. So so God uses the unlikely. God uses the insecure. And God uses failures. Third thing he uses is our failures. You know, we talked about Easter, Jesus, and... uh, dying and then coming back to life and and after Jesus was crucified the Jewish leaders thought that they had eliminated the threat that Jesus was to religion man this is good he's gone it's over but the disciples and others started to share the good news of Jesus and people continued to to turn their lives over to Jesus and follow him this led to persecution and even execution of the apostles. One of those was Stephen. Scripture talks about this. And as Stephen was being stoned to death, there's this guy named Saul. 
And Saul was a young man standing there watching this happen. And Scripture says this in Acts 7, 57. At this, they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Chapter 8 says this, And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Here's what you need to know about Saul. The whole time that he was, uh, you know, the whole time he was doing, actually doing this, he thought he was serving God by persecuting believers. Saul goes on to encounter the living God where he recognizes that he has failed at serving God. He changes his life around and then we refer to him as Paul and he begins to tell everyone about Jesus. This incredible story of transformation in a man who at one time was killing Christians because he thought that was the thing God wanted. Then receiving this revelation from God and recognizing God had a plan for him. I don't know if you've ever been down a path in your life where you genuinely think you're doing the right thing. And suddenly you realize, what in the world am I doing? God reveals to you his purpose and his plan for you. And it's like the the scales, the blinders come off your eyes and there's this new sight that you have. Changes the life of Paul. Paul went on to be beaten, persecuted, put into prison and ultimately exiled because of his faith. And throughout all of it, he constantly is reminded of his falling short of God's standard. This is a man who's like incredible in the faith. So let me ask you, have you ever messed up? Have you ever been wrong? Have you ever done things that you're embarrassed about, maybe you're ashamed of? Do you ever feel unworthy to be used by God? It may have been like some big public mistake that you made, like losing your temper in front of people or something that you shouldn't have said. Or maybe you've made some bad financial mistakes and 
You are paying for it today. Maybe you battled addiction. You're struggling. You betrayed your family in some way. Or you've crushed those that you love the most. Or maybe it's a maybe it's a private failure. Those are a little more tricky. Those are maybe something you did or something you said. You didn't get caught, but the shame of it just weighs heavy on you. It weighs you down every single day, and then you wonder, what if? What if someone finds out? Maybe you've been running away from God's call in your life. Like you know you heard the voice of the Lord. And life has a way of just weighing you down. And you've been running, and you've been running. And you feel that failure. You feel that weight. You see, Paul persecuted and he killed Christians. And yet, oh man, I, like, I can't, this is hard to get into my head. Here's a guy who genuinely thought he was doing the right things by killing Christians. He was persecuting. He was telling everybody, get, let's get them out. Let's cleanse them. Let's cleanse. He got it wrong. And yet, God uses Paul in such a powerful way to become like a major part of the church. Even writing 13 books in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10 says this. This is Paul speaking to to how he remembers and he says this for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God but by the grace of God I am what I am can't pretend and his grace to me was not without effect no I, I worked harder than all of them yet not I but the grace of God that was with me. I mean, who better to preach about forgiveness than someone who has been, been forgiven for so much? God uses people who fail. Because that's all of us. There are no perfect people. We all fail. We all fall short. Look throughout the entire Bible and there's example after example of fallen, messed up people. Hey, hey, listen to me this morning. You're in good company. If you feel like a failure, welcome to Journey Church. Time and time again, story after story, people have failed God and yet God still uses them. I'm a story of failure. I am a story of failure that God has redeemed. Thank you, God. You're a story of God's beautiful masterpiece, of God's beautiful grace, and God is still working on 
on you. You're a masterpiece. But let me say this, that the definition of a masterpiece is the greatest work in the career of an artist. They do this thing. It's just like, this is the, the masterpiece. Worked so hard on it. If God is the artist and you are the subject of his greatest work, But here's where the difference is. Different than art, God is still working on you. Regardless of what you think about yourself, regardless of how you're living your life today, maybe you feel insecure, maybe you feel unlikely or you're too bad of a person to serve in the church. Listen to me, the devil will tell you why you can't make a difference. But God will tell you in Christ, that you can. So here's the thing. It's what I want you to catch today. Stop thinking about what others say. Stop thinking about whether, what others say about you, what you are. Stop thinking about what you say you are. Start thinking about what God says you are. That you are a workmanship. You're the workmanship of Christ. You are his masterpiece. He created you to do great works. He prepared them for you. It's time for you to step up and step into what God has in store for you. I want to encourage you to stop doubting yourself. Because when you're doubting yourself, you're doubting God. You're his reflection. God's got a plan. The creator of the universe who created you. You're not what you did. You're not what they did to you. Today, you're a masterpiece of God that he created for the good works that he prepared for you in advance. I want to go to him in prayer. Before I do, I want to share this with you. I was, I was chatting with someone recently in a professional setting, and this is a professional chatting with me about, I mean, very qualified, very gifted, top of the top, best of the best, cream of the crop. And yet this individual is saying to me, listen, I struggle. I struggle. I, I thought when I would give birth and have children, I thought I would have smart, incredibly gifted kids that I could do incredible things with and I could teach them all about, but I have these children. And I somehow have lost my faith that, that God gave me these children that are handicapped, mentally handicapped, never do things on their own, will never be able to go to school, to have friends. I mean, the, the happiest day of their lives are the day I give them a happy meal and they smile from cheek to cheek. Like, why? Why would God do that? Why would God do that to me? Like, there isn't a day that goes by, and this is, this is someone amazing in our society. Say, there isn't a day that goes by where I, I don't think about driving into that pole with my kids in the back seat and just ending it all. It would be so much easier. And I just reminded this individual, are you kidding me? God sees your pain. 
He sees what you're going through. But here's the thing. He created those children. They're created in his image. They're his masterpiece. And he trusted you to oversee them, to love them, to nurture them. He sees you. I'm telling you, man, this was a weird conversation. I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't looking for a moment of God to encounter. And this person, for the first time in over 20 years, said to me, I think I'm starting to see it. I, I think I'm starting to see how God has allowed this to take place. And I, I need to stop being boo-boo, wah-wah, look at me, how, how sad is my life. I get to do this. I get to raise these children. Maybe you're here today and you're just like, man, I've got nothing good. Life's a mess. You're a masterpiece. Oh, come on, you're a masterpiece. All across this room, can we just stand up? I want you to do something for me and for yourself today, really, is just open your hands towards the Lord. I know I've often done this before, but maybe you're here and you just like, ah, I don't know if I believe this. I want you to just receive from the Lord. This is just an act of faith, saying, God, I'm empty. I want to, I want to be filled right now with your presence. God, I pray you just to deposit wisdom into every person in this room. I pray you just deposit mercy and your favor. That your hand be upon every life and every person who's questioning who they are, their significance, what they can do and what they can't do, and where the enemies lied to them and try to steal and rob things from them. In the name of Jesus today, I, I pray the Spirit of the living God rest on every individual in this room. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would just fall, fall, fall on us today. Because, God, we can't continue going on living the way we're living if your presence does not go before us. And so we need you. We need to encounter you today. We need your Holy Spirit to transform us. So you're here. I want to go to him in prayer today. Because we need him. God, we thank you. We thank you that your spirit is here. We thank you that you've got something good waiting for each one of us. As we are created in the image to do good works. As you're praying, continue praying today. And you're hearing my voice today. I pray that the Spirit of God would speak to you. And maybe you're here and you're saying, yeah, I want to be used by God in a powerful way. I want to be used by God in some capacity. I don't want to just live this life in some capacity in life, just spectating, just watching. I want to participate, but I'm not sure how to do that. If that's you, I want to pray for you today, right where you are. In this moment, God can encounter you. You can encounter the living God today. God, I want to be used by you. I pray your spirit would just speak to people. I pray, God, that you would it, it just get a hold of their heart, 
in their mind and recognize that, that each one of us has a, a purpose, that God, to do great things for your glory. I want to be used by you today. As we continue to pray, you, you may be thinking about your life and your failures, and if I were to ask you, where do you stand with God today? Like, what, if, if we were all to end right now, where do you stand with him? Like, what's your fate? And maybe you don't really have a solid answer. You never really thought about it. But you recognize that you're not serving him and you're really not walking with God at all. I want you to know that this is your day today. This is your day today. No matter what you've done, no matter what, you've, what your failures have been, all the ways that have, you've messed up, God loves you so much that he is calling you right now you have a direct line to him. And in the middle of your sins, he is calling you toward him. The Bible is clear that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. And that sin separates us from God. And yet God loved you so much that he sent his son to live this sinless life. And he died for your sin today. But here's the good news. After three days, he did not stay dead, but he rose from the dead so that you and I could have new life in Christ. And so for many of you here today, whatever you find yourself going through, this is your moment that God has brought you to. A moment to surrender to him, to turn away from your sins, to surrender your life, that's you say yeah I need Jesus I want to pray with you I, I said this prayer years ago in my own life as I was serving other things and doing other things and God got a hold of me and stopped me in my tracks he said David if you want more for your life trust me I've got a plan I got a purpose for you you just have to let go of the things you've been hanging on to so if that's you today I want to pray for you all across this room God you see every heart every individual that's crying out to you that, Abba, Father, I need you. I need more of you. I'll, I'll give you my life today. I surrender all to you. I give you my heart. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new today. Today, I declare that Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. You're my Savior, and I thank you. I thank you for this new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, let's give God praise all across this house for those who are saying yes to Jesus. I want us to just, would you guys lead us this song of worship today? I want us to just take a few minutes, just take a few minutes, just hear the voice of the Lord today before we leave this room. God's not done with you. He's got something more for you today. Maybe just take a minute and ask him, God, what is, it, what is it that you want me to do? What are you calling me to? What are you asking me to trust you more for? Maybe you need to find a place to serve in the church, to serve in the community. God, where would you have me serve and, and be a part of, of what you want to do through me? God wants to do that in you today. Let's just worship him all across this room.
Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.